All right, welcome back. Another episode, huge sports week. I am drained. A lot of basketball. I I think if I I'm not a math guy. We're both not math people, but that's why we chose the major we did in college. But I think if I was to add it up over the last since J- the last week of January, I would venture to say I've watched give or take 1200 hours of college basketball easily maybe more sounds about right <clears throat> that's uh, that's a stat that i won't go in i always remember our old professor fred jacoby telling us there should be math for journalists and sure 1200 hours that sounds great by the way in honor of master's week by the way we got a huge deep dive on that on um well, actually, I guess we could do it today because by the time we record on um, Thursday, the Masters will be under the way. So, you know, let's just do that on the on uh, this episode as well. But I got Arnold Palmer, Masters week. You got yours. I always have, always have Arnold Palmer 52 weeks of the year. <laughs> so we're going to do – we're going to do go back to our football roots for this weekend because – Final four weekend was unbelievable. And we're going to talk about both games on the front half instead of the back half, what we might normally do. But we need to talk about the games because by the time this comes out, national championship would have already happened. So, but we'll have a video out that you can look up on our social media channels. And where are those social media channels, Ryan? You will see it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So let's talk about Baylor Houston. Battle of two Texas schools. If I would have taken a nap, I don't think I would have missed miss anything because it was just so lackadaisical. I mean, the the pressure that Baylor put was unbelievable i mean it only took us all tournament to be right about houston but we were we ended up being right but let i mean on a real note let, let's be honest they had a great fantastic season first time in the final four since the 80s <clears throat> but what i find fascinating about baylor they are so extremely stout all year and i wonder because this is their second national championship by the way how many times have we heard that in like a 48 hour span? It's been ridiculous, right? That this is their first national championship appearance in 71 years. I feel like I've heard it to the point where my ears are bleeding. I get it. It's a great story. Scott Drew is going to have a contract extension. By the way, before we continue about this game, the weirdest sports story I maybe have seen in let's say five, six years was Bill Self signs a lifetime contract. What in the world does that mean? So do, does that mean the guy just – he can coach until he wants to? I mean, like, Duke Duke has never said that about Coach K. So – and Hubert Davis, by the way. That was one of the names I brought up. I, I uh, assume you saw that he got hired, which uh, that was probably – I think the first name I brought up when we were talking about that. So um, I got one crystal ball right for the year. But – Baylor's defense was stout. Houston just couldn't shoot. Also, Baylor rebounding the ball like they did on Saturday night 
was so impressive. It was overwhelming at times to just watch. And I, I did almost tweet this out on our Twitter page, but at one point I felt bad for Houston. I didn't t- tweet that out, but I did feel bad for them because they just, they, they went three or four points during that game where they had like two or three, four minute spans with no points. You said it best in the first line that you said is, is that we had to wait all tournament to be right about Houston. And that's, that's almost what it felt like we were building up to was Houston basically just collapsing. Now, I think this, this run lasted a lot longer than we thought it would, but playing Baylor and losing to Baylor is not a thing to, is not a thing to look away from. You made it to the final four. You played what I think is the best team in college basketball and you got beat and you got beat handedly, but that's what Baylor does. They smother teams and, and they clearly took out an inferior Houston team over the weekend. Baylor has been doing this really all tournament to whoever they play. And they've almost been like a runaway train from the round of 64 throughout. Now there are moments where you're like, okay, you know, obviously I always say basketball is a game of runs, right? There's always a a run, you know, there's a 10-0 run, an 8-0 run, an 8-2 run, whatever. Baylor never seems to get too far away from that. And they always seem to be on on top. And, And I think that's the thing that they just continue to do. Baylor does not get behind, so they don't have a, a reason to be afraid. And they did the same thing to Houston. They get on top, they dominate them, they impose their will, they win the game. Houston, Houston looked mismatched. And, and I think sometimes you get to games like this in the final four, which the stark contrast between games is pretty amazing, which we'll we'll get into the other game here shortly, but where you have four teams in the final four, and, and one of the games you're just like, that was a wash. <laughs> We, you're right. We, we could have taken a nap through that. Wouldn't have mattered. Baylor dominated. It, it's almost what we kind of expected on, on this show, at least, that Baylor would, would handedly take over Houston. And that's the best phrase I've heard described, even, if, even when I was watching postgame, handedly. The, the phrase that you used and the word that you used there, because Baylor did dominate handedly. I mean, it was, it was just, it, it felt Villanova, Oklahoma type final four from a couple of years ago, where it was just like, Oh my God, I, I feel bad for them. But let's talk about the second game. This is a quote that this, this is two separate quotes. That was one of the best final four games in history. Quote one. Quote two, that was one of the best March Madness games of all time. Period. Some people think that might be overreaction in the moment. To tell you the truth, I don't think so. I think that's one of those sports moments for the first time in who. I think that's the first sports moment since Tiger Woods winning the Masters in the Stephon Diggs Minneapolis, Minneapolis Miracle the last two moments where I felt I am so glad I witnessed that live and I didn't witness it on a highlight reel because sports still gives you those moments. Sometimes you don't get that with TV shows or movies because maybe you're reading blogs, even if they're spoiler free blogs. Let's be honest. Sometimes you don't get it when it comes to just simple things like going to a restaurant, you know what I mean? Like people tell you, hey, you got to go to this new restaurant and spoiler alert, and they preface it by saying that, you know, you got to get the whatever. 
if you didn't watch the game, you're a dummy. You are a flat out dumb dumb. Big old dumb dumb. That's what I'm going to say. Put that on our next t-shirt. Big old dumb dumb. It is such a shame that UCLA lost that game. They had every chance to win the game. And you know what? Some people say that it was a charge, and even Rafferty and Nance said it was a charge late in the second half. But without that charge, Gonzaga doesn't win the game. And honestly, I think Drew Timmy, I thought I don't like this guy at all, and that's how I felt the whole tournament with him. But, like, flexing when your team's up two, dude, your team is up two points right now. Like, you are flexing and throwing the double guns and doing the LeBron and, like, you know, clenching your chest type stuff. You are only up two points. And the ending. The ending is incredible. Obviously, we can't play the sound because it's copyrighted and we don't, you know, have the (laughs) budget to get that cleared. But the call is incredible. And, you know, here's here's what I'll say before you get to your first point, because this will – We'll need to talk about this game in detail. It was so much, it was so much better. But the Jalen Suggs bank, you know what it felt like? It felt like for the first time since Buddy Heald's bank in the Big 12 conference tournament against West Virginia, that's an incredible game winner. And he did it from half court. Then he runs on the table. I was in shock. Like I was, I was in like utter shock. I could not believe what I just watched. What a game. There was 17 lead changes. There was, uh, I believe nine ties in the game. Seriously. If you didn't watch the game that that's such a mistake on your part. That last stat that you said is actually the, one of the stats that I look at whenever, especially in basketball, when you want to talk about what makes a great game, nine ties, 17 lead changes, anything of that variety how much more back and forth can you want? How much more back and forth in a basketball game can you want? I just said it in regards to the last game. Basketball being a game of runs, a team will get up by eight and the other team comes back and they push the back. This game never felt like that. It never felt like one team was so much farther away from the other and then the other had to play catch up. It was so evenly matched throughout and, and UCLA, I, I think UCLA really, in my opinion, is the surprise of the tournament. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Some people may say Oral Roberts because they even want to get fine, whatever. But UCLA was not – right. You know, there are other teams, but UCLA was not supposed to make it this far. They were not supposed to lose on a last-second shot to Gonzaga in the final four that they almost could have almost could have won – I mean, you could even make the argument that they should have won it in some senses with the um, the late foul and, you know, a potential second overtime if he misses that shot, whatever. That is one of the best games that I've had the opportunity to watch. And one of the best endings in sports that you get to see. There, we've see, We see buzzer beaters. I don't want to say regularly. You know, they're not an every night thing when it comes to basketball. But you only get – two final four games a year, what, four elite eight games. Those are the ones where if you see a buzzer beater, you're going to remember it. Even ones that are missed. Go back to, what was that, Butler and Duke about 10 years ago. Oh, I mean, it um, was, was it? an inch away from going in the bucket. 
Right. We remember that, though, because it was so close and so meaningful in the national championship. Same for this. We remember it because it was a Final Four game. Now, will it be a little bit – I think that there is another side of this, though, that it could be a little bit more elevated if Gonzaga ends up winning the championship because then we remember that as the shot that got him there and ultimately, in some senses, won them the championship because, again, they could have lost that game. But when, when you sign up to watch March Madness in memorable games, you only hope that the Final Four – Game. I mean, any game is that good, but especially in the Final Four with, with a game of that caliber. UCLA was on fire in the first half. They were up by six, and they just could not miss from three. I believe the percentage they were from three-point range in the first half was around in the 30%. I mean, they were on fire. And their biggest lead was, you know, like I said, six points. And then Gonzaga's biggest lead is four, I believe. I I do think them being undefeated elevates it a little bit because in making it such a great game because now the pressure's on. They're the first team that's in a championship game undefeated since the 1979 Indiana State team. I know everyone remembers that team. <laughs> you know, and, and Jalen Suggs, I mean – the dude hit a half-court buzzer beater. I, I mean, it's it's a moment that you'll remember. I don't – I cannot believe they called that call, though, because whether you call it a block or a charge, some of the calls they were letting go in that game and some of the calls they were calling, especially in the second half, was insane. And a lot of people were taking it out of context, especially certain certain sports websites, I should say that the, the ref who was the main ref during the game, during the buzzer beater Jalen Suggs hits, he's holding up his hand, like his fist, like he's happy. I think that's just an overreaction too. Like, I, I mean, the game was incredible. Um, you could not ask for anything better. I mean, the tournament's been great. I feel like this is the, the matchup everyone wanted to see in a way. Either that or Gonzaga, Illinois, and obviously Illinois lost loses to Loyola Chicago, uh, the second day of the tournament that they play. So it, it's it's unbelievable. I, I I could not believe. And Drew Timmy, I mean, without him, as much as I do not like the kid and flexing by when you're up two points, I mean, without him, uh, especially in overtime, he scored their first five points in overtime. Um, they, they don't win the game either. I mean, what people aren't talking about, though, in that buzzer beater scenario, UCLA was down five points with 50 seconds to go. Down five points. Like, that is, that is like, Mount Everest-type stuff for college basketball teams to overcome. You know what I mean? Like, to put it in perspective, the Heat in that Ray Allen legendary shot moment, they were down five points with, uh, I think, around 40 seconds to go. So, it's it, – the game was incredible – um, seriously, if you didn't watch it, then that's just a huge mistake on your part. But, I mean, you can, go, you can go back and watch that game again and it won't get old, but I feel bad if you didn't get to see it live because that's, like you said, that's one of those games that I can think of a few in my lifetime in, in different sports that you kind of remember where you were 
when you saw it because it was that good of a game. But it's just another argument to my to my um, liking when it comes to sports. I always say I watch sports because it's different every time. There's there's never the same. I mean, sure, you can have the same score, the same types of endings, but that thrill that you chase watching sports and seeing a game like this and watching Jalen Suggs hit that shot, that's something you kind of always chase when it comes to sports. You always want to see something like that. And, and of course, in, in this big of a game and this big of a matchup, it's amazing. Um, but, you know, honestly, one, one more time, give, give credit to UCLA, though, because them making it this far was, was quite, a, quite an amazing feat. And, and, again, something that we didn't think maybe on this show or, or many shows throughout the world that they were going to make it this far. So props to them for playing such a tight game, close game. But I think, I think without, obviously, we won't know the match or the, the result when this comes out, but I think this is the ideal championship game between what I feel are the best two teams in college basketball. So the bracket actually worked out the right way. And I'll finish by saying this. It truly does not have the same impact unless you didn't experience it live. Because you can look at that and you can still be stunned the next morning on social media. But if you don't watch it live, same as the Stephon Diggs Minneapolis Miracle, it just doesn't it it doesn't click for me in the same way. It, isn't it wild how we have those moments kind of for our teams? Because if somebody said to me, like, what are your top three moments for your for your sports teams? I can pick three out. I know which three I would pick for the Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers. But you also, and maybe it doesn't fully affect you the same way, but if, if you saw certain sports moments live, you remember that same feeling that you saw in them. One of the ones that I pick out uh, is David Tyree's catch in the Super Bowl because even though that wasn't a game that I had any emotional investment in, you, you just remember, you're like, I know exactly what I was doing when that happened. That Ray Allen shot in the finals for the Heat is another one. I remember watching that one too. And it's just, it, it's just crazy because when you don't have a rooting interest, you, you almost feel good and sad. So it's like your, your levels are very, very different, but Hey, that's, that's sports. That's why we watch sports. Yeah. I remember the Cubs throwing mm-hmm. from uh, Chris Bryant to Anthony Rizzo with Joe Buck, the goat on the call. And I remember obviously Stefan Diggs and the iron bowl kick mm-hmm. sticks is i mean that like sometimes people say they fell out of their chair i literally fell out of my chair like i i legitimately fell out of my chair that's i i've said this on the show back in the fall whenever we were doing the iron bowl but i i did not have the un i unfortunately did not have the privilege of watching that live but i still remember the gentleman like hanging over my back talking to me about it in Milan Pushkar because wvu played that weekend so I had to watch it on GameCast, like a 2013, 14 noob, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. We made it. it. It's still a crazy moment. I got to witness it, though, on little dots moving on a screen. So technical. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, one of the top five college football games of all time you you missed. Um, by the way, return of a uh, long favorite running segment, Nick's Minute. We're playing Brooklyn. Um, I'm back in on Knicks basketball. Obviously, I take kind of the month off from every sport except for March Madness, and March makes sense 
but uh, 32-31 were the best team in New York. And uh, what a basket by Julius Randle. But also, too, I, I would feel I would feel wrong if we didn't mention Stanford on the women's side of Mar March Madness. Great game. Congratulations to them. That was another great game in, in that realm, too. We kind of called the uh, UConn upset. Maybe Arizona was good enough to, to get over them, and they did. But, again, this is one of those things. Stanford's a regular in the, in the tournament, in the final eight, four at least. So seeing them win is always good. And, and I also was not aware, and, and this is probably a testament to the fact that I, I don't watch a ton of women's college basketball, didn't realize Russell Wilson's sister was on Stanford's basketball team. So thanks for the update, social media. Yeah, and Arizona got screwed, though. They, they legitimately got screwed on a uh, call uh, with about uh, 30, 40 seconds left in that fourth quarter. Um, and here's how I know it's not, you know, just me being biased or whatever, you know. The announcers, you know it's a bad call when the announcers are like, there's no way. And then they go to the replay and they called her out of bounds. She's not out of bounds, man. Like it, it was ridiculous. And that kind of changed the last like 30, 40 seconds of the game and whatever, but it was not a great weekend for refs. No, no. Not, not at all. We saw the, the Luca technical in the NBA where he said, and one after a shot and they, teamed oh. oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I suppose it's not refs, but um, the Reds player Nick Castellanos is suspended for two games for basically being excited during a during a home plate play. So, I mean, say what you want, but there's there's a little bit of softness going around right now. A little bit. Buy or sell. Uh, <laughs> so, Space Jam. In case you lived under a rock, uh, the trailer dropped for the new Space Jam movie over the weekend. I feel like this is a buy. I feel like this, for me, is a buy on a movie that, you know, I'm going to revisit my childhood youth in some way. It's kind of funny. Uh, inter uh, Internet is dragging LeBron because they're saying he can't win um, without um, NBA All-Stars when Michael Jordan won with Bill Murray and Newman from Seinfeld. Um, beating the Monstars. So uh, some of the characters, though, the way they look, the NBA stars on the Goon Squad is what they're calling this one. Uh, Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson, those look very odd. Um, it's kind of also a little strange that the court on this one is like super di digitalized and you have like every Warner Brothers property like as a fan. Like the Iron Giant, Giant I think, is a fan in the stands during this game. And like the Game of Thrones dragon, it, it's it's very strange. Uh, people are loving the Don Cheadle uh, element for him being a villain in this. So yeah, I'm all in. Sign me up. I might even I think I'm going to watch Space Jam um, tonight, Tuesday, um, before uh, the hall the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame speeches. So I, I said this a while back that it would be as good as the first one. I don't know if it'll be better, but I do quite enjoy the fact that this actually could be good. And, and what I mean by that is, is we spent so much time, or at least I know I did in the past couple of years being like, yeah, I'm not going to watch this movie. Like I don't, nobody asked for this, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm willing to go for it and, and see what this looks like. Um, I will admit that 
and I think you you do this naturally when you have two things or a reboot and you want to compare things and what uh, I agree with you though that I don't necessarily like the Goon Squad characters as opposed to the Monstar characters. It it just the there's something about the animation that I'm not as much of a fan of, but whatever I I can get over that to watch the game. Um, Iron Giant as a as a fan though that's kind of wild i i think i i think i would like to buy that specific element of the of the talk because iron giant is one of the most underrated movies of all time but maybe that's a different discussion <laughs> if you freeze the frame when they're on the court and they're getting ready to looks like what ha um what looks like have tip off for the game you can see the flintstones you can see the iron giant the game of thrones dragon just like any warner brothers or like Hanna-Barbera property, anything Warner Brothers basically owns is a fan in the stands, where uh, if you remember from the first Space Jam, it's just like, I think, normal people. Um, but the, the Goon Squad looks awkward compared to the Monstars, um, and also kind of <laughs> a little, little odd that they made the Looney Tunes like live-action animation. I don't know if you saw that in the trailer, but a uh, little, little weird, but I can get over it uh, to, wa to watch a movie. I feel like when it's all said and done, I'll end up giving it like a four out of a 10 because it, it is a sequel super long after, but you know, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Also, I love the fact that people, this kind of reopens the MJ and LeBron debate where people, you even kind of alluded to it a little bit where people are like, oh, well, yeah, LeBron's got to do this because he living in MJ and he needs this and to do that. I'm like, it's an animated movie where he's playing basketball with bunnies. I don't think there's too much substance that we need to look into here and be upset about when comparing two of the greatest basketball players ever. Relax. The Tasmanian devil does not have an opinion on if Michael Jordan or LeBron James is a better basketball player. The fact Relax. that Jay versus LeBron was trending on Twitter Saturday because LeBron is playing with Anthony Davis and all these NBA All-Stars on his team, where MJ was playing with Bill Murray and Newman from Seinfeld, Wayne Knight, is, like, mind-boggling. It is le legitimately ridiculous. Welcome to the world. Did you see the Le LeBron? The last thing I'll say, this isn't even necessarily um, about Space Jam, but did you see the thing where it was, was on Twitter and it said, would – LeBron's basketball skill with your athletic ability beat your athletic ability with LeBron's body. Which one do you think would win? I guess the latter. See, I feel like LeBron would still dominate in my body. Like Le LeBron's athletic ability is, but then it, then I picture my fat self dunking and that's just the funniest thing in the world. So there's an extra element to it that that's, that's a great, do we understand because, you know, somebody is sitting around thinking, anyway, welcome to, welcome to 2021. Hope you found a toilet over the weekend. Yeah, that's, <laughs> story is mind boggling. <laughs> All right. So my first one here, uh, big NFL news of the day. We all saw it. We all know it. We all, we're not immune to it. Sam Darnold traded to Carolina. He now basically moves into the starting quarterback role with Carolina, uh, essentially moving Teddy Bridgewater either out of town or to a backup role. 
Uh, so are you buying or selling that Sam Darnold is the franchise savior for the Carolina Panthers with that trade? I feel like it should be the opposite. I feel like Teddy Bridgewater should be the starter and Sam Darnold should be the backup. There's more substance under Teddy Bridgewater, at least getting the team to the playoffs and, you know, getting very great performances out of him. I mean, he was one of the top five, six quarterbacks in the league for a good chunk of the season last year as far as passing and touchdowns. So the fact that he's probably going to end up going to a backup role to a guy, let's be honest, some people are saying that this is a win because he was just in a bad system. I don't think so. You have enough there to show you that he's not the quarterback that he was predicted to be. And I remember watching the draft and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Sam Darnold, that's a steal. That's the steal of the NFL draft weekend. And he hasn't done anything. He, I mean, he had mono, which was very weird as an NFL story, right? That he had mono and was out for six weeks. That was very awkward. But, or was it six weeks? Maybe two, two. Whatever. It's still weird. Whatever. It it, yeah, it was very awkward. The fact that he was shown on camera in Monday Night Football, one of the best, if they ever bring NFL football foley's back, that's a great clip where he's like, I'm seeing ghosts out here. I mean, I just don't think the guy's an NFL quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can be a fine accountant. You can be a fine, you know, you can be the best at whatever your major was at USC. But I just, I've never drank the Sam Darnold Kool-Aid and I'm, I'm not going to start now because he's in a new team. Like, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Here's how I know he's not a good quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the Jets for one of those seasons when Sam was there. Ryan Fitzpatrick, looks like an NFL quarterback still. Like that's all that that's all I need to say. I didn't like Sam Darnold coming out of college. I didn't think he was a great quarterback coming out of USC because I, I'm certainly no draft expert. I'm not a McShay. I'm not a Kuiper. I don't get paid for that nonsense, but I do it kind of on my own accord. But anyway, I didn't like him coming out of USC. I, I watched him and watched some of those tapes, and I was like, I, I don't see what other people see. But I think what happened is, is he gets caught up in that quarterback craze where people are like, well, if we don't take a quarterback now, we may never get one. Hmm. I also think the Jets have had pretty poor ability to scout quarterbacks over the last 10 years. Um, if you want to get into a bunch of examples, we could, but – I think leaving it at Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, Sam Darnold, Taj Boyd is probably enough. Mark Sanchez, if we want to go back further. Geno anyway, Smith. that's not Geno Smith. That's not the point. The point is, is I, I just don't know if Sam Darnold is what he was made out to be. He's not who we thought he was, i.e. Dennis Green. He's not the person that he was billed to be. I think there is a little bit of truth, though, to the he's in a bad system. I understand that. I don't think the Jets are a good fit for the quarterback position. This harkens back to the, if you don't have weapons, if you don't have people to block for you, you're going to look worse than you probably are. And maybe there is a little bit of improvement that he can build upon there. I'm interested to see what Matt Rule does with him that could potentially make him a better player. But I'm, I'm just here to tell you, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's the, pa the Panthers savior, excuse me, 
I just I, I don't know what I don't know what this is. I think Darnold in Carolina is one of the last places I thought he would be because I think they were hoping to get Deshaun Watson, which has taken a a completely different turn. It's it's just very strange. I just I don't understand what people see in him. I really don't. You know, I I think Matt McGloin, who used to play for the Raiders, has more ability as an NFL quarterback than Sam Darnold. And Matt McGloin was actually pretty decent. I just feel like Sam Darnold's a good, maybe good solid backup, maybe for a game, but he's not a starter. He's he's he, just not a starter. He could make a career as a backup. I, I could see that. If he if he gets into you know the right situations like this guy started, he's not great, but he at least has NFL experience. We'll keep him around. I he, need Chase yeah, I was just about to say he could have Chase Daniel type backup success, or he's just on on a team, or Colt McCoy. You know, he's just there holding the clipboard. How so. do you think? One one last point. How do you think that guys like Christian McCaffrey feel about this, where they go from a, a you know a little bit more mobile of a quarterback with I I would think probably a stronger arm too, and Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who at least you know looks like he can manage a game out there where you like see Sam Darnold, I mean, obviously you're going to be excited on the face, but when you're such an offensive weapon like that, do you start to think about maybe trying to get out? Uh, I think what he's going to start to do is maybe ice his legs before he goes on the field because he's just going to run them until the wheels fall off because that's what they did last year with him, and who else do they have besides him? I mean, if he's, if he's the first pick in anyone's fantasy draft next year, don't be shocked. Because the dude is just used like a train over and over. So video games, adaptations, TV, movies. It's hard. It doesn't work. And we've talked about it before that there are some projects in the work that could. I don't know about this one. Borderlands. You know about this, uh, you know about this game called Borderlands yes i've seen it but i i can't i can't necessarily picture it if you give me the if you give me the spark notes i'll i'm sure i'll be on it basically it's like space and sci-fi and, and different species those kind of things uh okay. is the best way to put it short version borderlands finally casted today um a uh person for the movie and I don't know why, but it just it doesn't start, like have the same appeal, and a lot of people are excited over it, and I don't understand because we've been down this road before. I think, and I think the only way that something like this works is if you do it in a TV format, like what the game Last of Us is going to do, because that's very that's very attainable but here's here's what the movie is going to be about they so they you know they finally cast the main character that they're going to have right here here is the plot an infamous outlaw with a mysterious past returns home to the planet of pandora to find uh to find her daughter missing and they form an ally with a couple people and they must battle alien monsters and da uh, dangerous bandits to find the girl. I feel like that's going to bomb really hard at the box office. I'm I'm not interested. 
I, I actually just looked it up and reminded myself that yes, I know what that is. I, I'm not overly familiar with it, but I've seen it. Uh, you described it to me, gave me the plot. I'm not interested. You you didn't say anything that struck me as any different than what a normal sci-fi thriller type movie could be. Stop, stop trying to do this if you're not going to be original. If it's just because you think you can make the money off of the video game name and people are going to follow it, I mean, I understand why you would do that. Um, just because people are they're going to follow the names that they know and names that they like, especially if it's a game. But that doesn't mean that the movie's going to be good. That doesn't mean that anything you do is going to be good with it. I mean, sure, we flock to what we like. And if you like this game, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it because I like this. But I just I can't see this being overly successful. I think this is just one of those one of those other things that we'll chalk up to. Yep. Shouldn't have done that. I think that's what's going to happen. And you know what I thought about when I looking at the story? You know how comic books, the, the floodgates opened because Spider-Man was successful. Because mm -hmm. Batman had already been out. Superman had already been out in theaters. Those are the two most probably popular comic book characters of all time. X-Men was in theaters before Spider-Man. But the success of Spider-Man broke the floodgates open. And people were like, oh, see, that's what you needed. You needed one comic book character, successful movie. And then the floodgates have happened. And mm -hmm. it's been that way since 2002. But uh, And people are saying that's what needs to happen for video games. I don't really think so. I think the problem with video games are is people like play video games. They play out the story and they don't want to watch it unfold again sometimes. And then also a lot of the time the, when they are adapted into movies, they're completely not taking the right elements of the video game that made it successful in the first place. That's why it's so hard to do in a two hour time slot. Like that's why when Fallout uh, if that goes through, because I haven't heard anything about it in a long time, or The Last of Us, where they've casted those people, those are over eight to 10 episodes. You can do 10 hours and really get elements of the game or story into that, similar to what when you're playing a video game. It takes eight to 10 hours. Two hours to do something is, is in a video game it is really hard. I'm not a huge video game person. I, I probably was a little bit more when I was younger. I was a big like NCAA football person. I've played a little bit of like Medal of Honor, uh, you know, big throwback for our, for our gamers there. Um, and some other games occasionally that I like, but like what, what's the best part of a video game to you? I think multiplayer. So I used to play Halo all the time, GTA. Mm-hmm. I think it has to have a great multiplayer. The story can suck. I don't really care. I just like the ability to control what you're doing. And I kind of like the open world feel too. Like two of my favorite games of all time. This is two completely different opposite ends of the spectrum in the same category. But um, I love the open world idea of games like GTA 5 and Simpsons Hit and Run. I, I, mm. I understand that is two completely different type of games but point is we're talking about the same category but it's the ability to control the story and do it over and over and those elements of i don't want to say frustration but you know you can't beat a level and you finally do and then you get to unlock these things and do it that's lost in a movie 
that's that's lost when you're when you don't have the ability to control it on your end. The best thing about a video game is the ability to hold the controller in your hand and you do it because that's why it's fun. You know what's lost in a movie aspect of that? You don't get that choice. You're basically just watching the videos of a campaign mode for two and two to two and a half hours. Great. Not necessarily appealing to me. I'd skip them anyway. I think uh, video games going forward, the success depends on the show like Last of Us. That's a really popular game. Depends on Halo when Halo comes out later this year. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it ironically depends on those two things. And I don't know. That's, that's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. Yeah, it's we'll we'll revisit this in a few months, I'm sure, because we'll have more to talk about. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm gonna let you choose here. Uh one of these, one of these stories is sports in general. It's all encompassing of sports. And the other one is another NFL story. So do you just want to knock out the NFL or do you want to break it up a little bit? Oh, let's do the NFL. All right. Let's knock out the NFL. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So over the past week, um, last few days even, you know, the NFL always proposes new rules every year, and there's always rule changes going into the new years. Uh, so one of the biggest ones this year coming in, or maybe not even the biggest ones, but I've, I've noticed it on social media, is the Kansas City Chiefs have proposed a change to the numbering system for players' uniforms. Um, I'm sure that you have you've seen this and and people know about this where the quarterback can only wear certain numbers the running backs can only wear certain numbers we're all the way down the line everyone has a set group of numbers that they can wear so the Chiefs have basically proposed changing that to where it's more open and guys can wear the numbers they want uh, the most notable example that I think of is when Reggie Bush came out of college back in 2006 and wanted to wear his number five and was willing to, you know, donate the proceeds to charity and such off his uniform sales and the NFL wouldn't do it. So are you buying or selling that this is actually a good idea? Uh, or, or I should say, are you buying that this is actually a good idea to, to kind of give the players more freedom? Does it really matter what numbers they wear? Or are you selling it because just wear whatever number you're given? It doesn't matter anyway. It's stupid. Like I thought like when they pitched, the idea and the story came out i was like are they for real because like that's just college it's like okay you kind of have a say but not really the nfl like does it really matter i mean for for guys like tom brady or peyton manning you know quarterbacks i'm assuming love to keep their number you know which is fine you know even run, whatever number you are i'm assuming you like to keep that i mean des bryant went to baltimore kept the 88 but like, who cares? Does it, does it really matter? Like, I don't want to see a lineman having like what he does sometimes in college, which is like seven or eight. That's, that's, those are things that like make college football unique compared to NFL. And like, are the chiefs being for real? Like, that's just so stupid. So I understand the, you know, you like wearing a certain number type deal and, and that you get tied to numbers. Um, you know, I, I even joke about like, I love the number 21 because I associate it with Roberto Clemente. Um, but, you know, even, even in certain instances in sports, I think there are very, very, very few instances in sports where you tie a number to a specific player. 
there are very few instances that that happens. Um, I think of numbers like 42, numbers like 99, numbers like 23. Those are the ones that you tie to specific people throughout a history of a game. Which leads me to kind of the other side of that argument. It doesn't matter. Just let them wear whatever they want. It, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Does anybody care? Is anybody sitting at home right now saying, well, you know, we can't have people wearing number five at wide receiver. How would I? You're, you're going to know who it is. You're just going to have to relax on this one and just chill because it doesn't necessarily matter. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's a logistical point of this, too, that's brought up in some of the articles that I've read, too. You know, basically, if you want to change your number in the NFL, you have to buy out the stock of remaining, um, you know, like jerseys and stuff in the NFL because, well, they have to make that money back somewhere. So that's one thing to consider, even when you just change your number in general. But now if, you know, Odell Beckham wants to go back to one or whatever he was or three, whatever he was in college, he's going to have to basically go back and buy it out. It's it's just wild. It's it's wild that we have rules about this. I mean, now I don't necessarily think we'll see quarterbacks wearing 97 but I I, I don't really mind if skilled players wear different numbers it, it just it doesn't make a difference to me just play the game just play the game wow Herm uh, Herm Edwards there I mean it, it just it, the thing is is you know I, I again think back to Reggie Bush he says I want to wear number five I've worn it my whole life I'd like to wear it it's available the NFL is like no what difference does it make what difference does it make if Reggie Bush wears five? He's going to sell the most at the time, at the time, he's going to sell the most jerseys. People are going to love it. People are going to flock to it. I mean, Reggie, everyone had a Reggie Bush jersey when they were younger because that was, that was what they wanted. You know, he was the stud coming out of college and that number five, we remember that USC number five, because that's what he made famous. Now people wore the 25, but it just didn't have that same thing. It just, it doesn't matter. Just let them wear what they want. Who cares? Wow. Uh, I never thought uh, – <laughs> I didn't know you were a big jersey uh, number means uh, is special to a guy. Like, I mean, I didn't have a Reggie Bush. I had an Adrian Peterson jersey. But, like, I don't know. Like, you know, it just it, – it shouldn't matter, I don't think. Well, the other side to it is – and, again, we've discussed this at length. Neither of us are professional athletes nor will we ever even close to that point. But when it comes to numbers, at least to me, whenever I played sports, I didn't care what I wore. I think it's just, I think it's just a person or personality type thing. Because I mean, if you look at my numbers, whenever I play, I'm not going to run through all my numbers because nobody cares. But the point is, is I had like 15 different numbers across all sports I played because I genuinely didn't care. Just give me what uniform fits me and is available and I'll wear it and let's go. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you play to win the game. Play to yeah. win the game. But it's it's both sides. I see it both sides. I, I I don't care what numbers people wear, but at the same time, it also doesn't matter what number you wear because you're playing a game to just let them wear whatever uniforms they want. I'd rather have color rush jerseys back than players getting to pick their own uh, numbers. I will – Yes, gladly take that. And also make the Steelers block numbers their normal uniforms. That's probably an unpopular opinion, but I don't care. I love those uniforms. Color Rush, man. That, that's when you know it's Thursday. Color, mm. color Rush uh, Thursday. 
Nothing gets, like logging on to Amazon Prime and watching some Color Rush. Oh, dude, gets the blood flowing. I really hope they bring it back this year. Now they're. By the way, you know, let's real quick. I don't want to dive into that. Who's going to be the broadcast team? Because it it's still under contract with Fox. So I guess Joe Buck and Aikman are going to be uh, broadcasting Amazon, just you know, with the Fox score bug and and everything. And w- Amazon will give them mics. Jason Witten retired, didn't he? I heard he's looking for something to do. Hmm. Yeah, good point. Because um, I mean, Fox did sign a ten-year deal for Thursday Night Football, but now it's with Amazon. So I, hmm. No, I, I hope they get an A-plus team, though. Don't give me, like, uh, don't give me some, like, Joe Schmoes. If you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, you know what? I, I, maybe Herb Street and Fowler. No, that's wishful thinking. Uh, Disney, we're back. That should, that should be the catchphrase every day for Disney. Disney, we're back. Because internet. The internet's a fun place. And it's fun when Disney crashes it. Because I've watched the trailer for Loki today like four or five times. Dude, it is unbelievable. This show looks completely insane, completely wild. And if you're one of like the two people in the world who've never seen Avengers Endgame out of the two billion, let me just break it down to you real quick. Spoiler alert. No, it's been out for two years. If you haven't seen it by now, then that's a you problem. But when they're going through the events, trying to get get everything um, in order, Loki gets the Tesseract, which is like a transporting device, basically, and he transports himself to wherever. Now he's in trouble, and from the trailer, you can tell that like the whole thing is going to be trying to get him back to reality, or at least time back to reality. Dude, it looks bonkers. I know it's only going to be another Marvel one season type show, but. It's it is incredible. You got you got to watch the trailer at least uh, two minutes out of your time. It's it's uh, it's wild. Owen Wilson is in this, um, which is a great actor. Owen Wilson's a great actor. So sign me up. So basically, this is the easiest way to say this and put this in one sentence is chalk up another win for Disney Plus, huh? That's all they have is wins. I don't think they have any losses. I mean, I'm sure. Now, I, I think I think this is definitely better than the model. I know. I guess it depends on what properties you own. But this is definitely better than the model of the olden days where they're like, this is going straight to video or straight to DVD. Because those movies sucked. Or those shows sucked. Terrible. Yeah. But now we have this thing where it's, we own better. Well, it's not that Disney owned bad properties, but they just maybe didn't make great decisions with some of those. But in 2019 and beyond, Disney Plus is just, they have just continually won without losses. And I, I don't think they'll lose anytime soon, just based on their track record here. That's fair assumption. That is fair assumption. I mean, before Disney Plus, I remember it was really big among people our age. I don't know why it was, but a lot of people our age was really excited. Um, This was obviously pre-Disney Plus, but uh, Boy Meets World was doing a reboot, but it was Girl Meets World instead. And Cory and Topanga were parents in in this one. I I didn't watch any of it, but, you know, those kind of things, I think, is what makes people love Disney. Um, I I think... uh, (laughs) I mean, it's wild, but buried in all this, I can't believe the Star Wars fandom didn't go crazy because 
there was a video released today on the internet. Um, I don't know how it got released, but maybe one of like a production assistant or something took a video of the Obi-Wan set, the Obi-Wan Kenobi set of what the whole set looks like, Star Wars Village. Dude, oh my gosh, this thing looks massive. And I, whoever that PA is or whoever that person is that released that video, they're fired because, the, you know, they want to keep that top secret. And now people know what the set looks like of and, you know, people are going to put like, oh, maybe they're in this city, this city, all this kind of stuff. But no, the um, to actually live update, here's what the trailer has right now. It's only been out for eight hours. OK, I want to give you a live update how many views it has under Marvel's page. Okay, yeah, five mil. <laughs> five million. Casual. So, okay. Yeah, casual, nothing nothing to see there. Look, Disney, Disney Plus, or just Disney in general, I guess is the better way to say this. When, when you own these properties and people go nuts for every little thing you do, you've made it. You've made it. People, people in the Star Wars world are going to look at that, like you said, and they're going to analyze everything. It's the set. There's not, there's not necessarily, like you said, sure, the, the cities and stuff, but there's not necessarily a ton that you can learn from that. People will learn every single detail about it because they're nuts about it. And like, that's what tying your name with the property Disney does is Disney does Star Wars was big anyway, but tying it with Disney and everything else that they have now, it's an explosion. Like I have Star Wars Inc. and I'm getting more Star Wars Inc. into my arm. But like I, I saw the video and I was like, that's awesome. But like I'm not gonna dive into anything like frame by frame until like the trailer. That's where I dive into things. That's where my nerdness comes out for stuff like this. I'm like, ooh, this pairs with this in the comics. You know what I mean? Like I just try to give myself i guess basically spoil stuff for myself before it even happens i can't imagine that you're the only one there are many other people out there doing the exact same thing because they love it and love it so so much so you are you are part of a vast star wars vast star wars world my friend yeah i i'm uh, a part of it and here to here to stay more, more star wars inc uh, coming soon and that's the ultimate test right there, the ink on the arm. So, yeah. And I'm sure there are other people out there too that would gladly share their ink too. So yeah. a lot of, I guess my hair's kicking on. Anyway. All right. Last one here. So this one, this one is a little bit more sports in general, but I, I derive it from one specific sport. Um, so it's a little bit of a buy or sell, but then kind of an open discussion. I was watching a video from Sunday night baseball last night. Um, Shehei Otani, the pitcher slash fielder slash massive hitter for the Angels. He's pretty much everything you want in a, in a player. And, and I apologize if I mispronounce his name. Um, Threw the fastest pitch of the season last night so far. And then stepped up to the plate and hit a monster home run. If you go back and watch that video, you can find it on ESPN's channels. You can find it on the Angels channels, et cetera. The way that the bat sounds when it hits that ball is the most glorious sound in sport. There is something about the bat crack on a baseball that that just sounds fantastic. And that one specific, I even told people, I said, I could listen to this sound 
24 hours on repeat and I would never get tired of it. Sounds crazy, but I am not kidding because it, it was that beautiful. So do you buy or sell that the bat crack on a baseball is the best sound in sports? And what were some other things that you would put in that category? What, what is kind of the discussion of the best sounds in sports? By the way, this is buy or sell, right? Not eliminator. You know what? This is kind of both. This is, this is a little bit of both. I mean, it is a little buy or sell, but it it also features the eliminator. Yes. Um, Sounds off the top of my head that I put in there. Um, A big hit in football, like pads cracking. Um, A nice, lovely knockout in the UFC. And sometimes it makes me laugh. And I know the person's unconscious. Like, I don't mean to laugh, but like, I always find it funny as much UFC as I've watched. Um, and it's been, a, it, it's been a lot, by the way, good UFC fight night card coming up this weekend. Um, the, the punch when they're knocked out and the refs like getting ready to call the fight. I never understood that, but that's always a good one or a nice kick to the, uh, the body. And, um, I would think on the other side of that, I love a good table breaking in uh, WWE. I love a good table breaking. That's a great, great sound, uh, putting them through the table uh, just, just gets the people going or a steel chair on the back. That's a, that's a good one. A kick in UFC is very underrated because I don't think a lot of people there's, there's obviously less UFC fans than say NFL fans, but there is something about a kick to the body in UFC that is just, it is a great sound and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's real. It's authentic. It's great. This is also a weird one, but and it's very broad again. Whenever you go to a hockey game and you hear the pucks hit a when they're basically warming up and you hear the pucks hit the board, that that is just such a satisfying sound. And I don't know why, because it's just almost constant because of the way people are shooting and warming up. So you just hear it and it's just beautiful. Um, I would also have to lump in fans with this. Um, the the roar of a crowd after a game winner because that that obviously to see that live is is amazing and it's a it's an experience like none other I've been fortunate enough to see walk-off winners in all three sports that I've been to so it's it's an amazing feeling to hear the roar of a crowd when that happens Um, but I I still think in my list of sounds I still think the bat crack on a baseball is number one Football, the, the pad hits is a good one too. Um, there, there's something about that that you know it, it yeah it's a blood sport we'll call it what it is but at the same time it's it's just something satisfying about those hard pieces of plastic hitting each other but I I still have to go with the bat on baseball good contact not not crappy contact dribbler to third thrown out in time a monster home run like Otani hit last night that is there is nothing better than that sound in sports i will say low-key great sound is not the puck hitting the board uh the puck hitting the uh the red metal yes during a game Um, but uh, especially playoffs that's like oh did he get that and you know what i mean like it just bounces in or bounces out that's a great Um, one and then uh I, i love a good uh tennis rally and a tennis like forehand or backhand mm. and a major, um, which, uh, yeah, we're almost at major time for tennis, French Open. This mm. is this is one that could be debatable. Now, 
I think you have to be playing the sport to hear it most of the time, but a good swish in basketball has a nice sweet noise that when you hear it, it's, it's very satisfying. How do you feel now? This could be controversial. How do you feel about a chain net? What, what do you think about that noise whenever you hear it? Because obviously that's more schoolyard, but there's, there's a level to it that I think I like not as much as a swish, but I do like it. Hate chain nets. I think a swish is not a great sound. I think a forceful, a forceful dunk in the mm. NBA is a great sound. It's like, Ooh, it gets the bench pumping, especially oh, yeah. if they're dunking over someone. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think of the, what the, when I think of NBA dunks that really get me, you know, really get me excited. I think of who, I don't know who it was over, but the poor guy gets dunked on all the time. It's the Deandre Jordan one when he played for the Clippers and they oh, threw Brandon Knight. Yeah. Brandon Knight, that poor dude tried to, there's another highlight of him getting dunked over somewhere. And I'm like, stop you know that this is going to happen. We have video evidence of you getting dunked out. Just don't defend people seven inches taller than you. It's not going to end well. I do not like the sound. All I'll say to finish this off, I do not like the sound, and I hear it every golf tournament that I watch. Even this weekend when I flipped on about mm, five hours worth of golf over the weekend. But uh, I do not like the sound of uh, getting the hole. Do not like that. And um, Premier League – um, I know there's not fans there right now, but uh, the crowd noise that they pump in, even the fake cheers, even with no fans there, love love a good uh, cheer in Premier League. So, yeah. but if we're going to talk about sounds, you know, my favorite sound is music. Sound of music. There you go. Nice uh, 1970s, uh, uh, 60s classic there. But no, I, I love uh, great music. I love, uh, right now I'm listening to... Uh, some Spanish music. I don't, I don't, uh, I feel like I need to get into Spanish, um, to understand it obviously, but, uh, no, I've been getting in a lot of Spanish music, but I've been doing that on my favorite service, Amazon music. So you can also listen to some German music like Ramstein and just kind of listen along with it. Um, it, it's just, they're very angry all the time. So it doesn't even necessarily matter what they say to me. It's just, it's fun to listen to. Uh, but also on my Instagram, and, and you messaged me about it, and I, I got a good chuckle about it. I posted uh, one of my favorite songs from each of my favorite albums from the last six years. I could make a playlist of that. I could just make a playlist of my favorite albums from the last six or seven years and just listen through it. But I can do that on Amazon Music because I have access to these albums. I can make my own playlists, and it's it's pretty cheap. It's easy to use and access to over 50 million songs. Uh, so you would hear a lot of Ghost, you would hear some Gojira, some Knocked Loose, some Alpha Wolf. Yeah, you probably don't know all those bands, but that's what Amazon Music's for, for discovering new music and listening to your favorites. Uh, was listening to, I was listening to a little bit of everything on the drive home and, and drive to this past weekend. We, we um, have this tradition where we like to pull up the 2010s, my girlfriend and I, like hits and just kind of jam through them. So that's that's a fun thing to do on Amazon Music is just take the hits and just listen through the 2000s. It's like a it's like a walk in the past. But to do all that, to listen to some Spanish music, you can put together your favorite albums, playlists catered for you. All of that can be done on Amazon Music. And when you sign up, you are going to be paying $7.99 a month for the unlimited access to all of this music. You can do it at the link getamazonmusic.com 
backslash to Ryan Sports to sign up today. Again, $7.99 a month, unlimited access to tens of millions of songs. Get amazonmusic.com backslash to Ryan Sports. Sign up today, start listening, get your music on. All right. So, conversation corner, Masters Week. Very excited. Ryan, are you a big Masters guy? You know, let me just even rephrase that. Are you a big golf guy? Players was a couple of weeks ago, Masters, like two or three weeks, you know, away from that. And um, it, it always gets me back in the swing because obviously after this, you're not going to have another major till the U.S. Open, which typically falls like Father's Day weekend, I think. So I'll, I'll fully admit I'm not the biggest golf fan overall. Um, I don't watch all the majors, anything like that, but conditioning as a sports fan has conditioned me to pay attention during master's weekend. <laughs> that seems the, that seems to be the one weekend a year that I'm like, this is, this is the super bowl of golf. This is the one that you pay attention to because it is the one that people I think really invest their time in. And it really matters to play at Augusta national for the national or for the, um, for the masters and that green jacket something legendary about that green jacket that is just, it's just not topped anywhere else. And there's a lot of famous holes at Augusta national. Uh, 12 at Amon's corners, famous 13, obviously 18 coming, uh, coming up the green there in uh, the fairway on 18 mm -hmm. uh, right in front of the uh, Augusta national um, the tees that they always do the, uh, the ceremonial tee with uh, Jack Nicholas Um it, it, on the first day of the tournament it, it it feels weird you know what i mean because it just happened it literally just happened like a blink of uh, in an eye like four months ago but a lot of people are talking and i don't i don't think i don't think he will i i'm leaning towards it because he is the favorite but i don't think he will a lot of people were talking about jordan spieth um as the favorite it, he had his first win since 2017 uh yesterday uh sunday that's great that's great going into augusta national but it feels like ever since he had that quadruple bogey back in 2016 coming off a of historic uh 2015 when he won the masters at i believe 15 under 15 or 16 under it's um it's quite remarkable um dustin johnson a lot of people think he might be able to repeat. I don't know. That's really hard to do. I mean, I don't know if people know this, but Dustin Johnson had one of the best performances of all time at the Masters. Um, I believe he won at 19 or 20 under. Roy McIlroy, Webb Simpson, Tony Finau, Lee Westwood, some other favorites. But here's the one that I think is actually going to shock people this week. Colin Morikawa. And if you know anything about this young man, he's great. Hits the ball really well. He, I mean, he's one of the best upcoming golfers, really. And he also hits the ball very well in the inside the greens on his putting. So there's there, those are the people that stand out. But then you got the guys like Bryson DeChambeau, right? You got the guys like Adam Scott. You got uh, guys who are master champions who are invited back to play every year after you win a master's. People like Bubba Watson, Fred Couples. I don't know why, but Fred Couples, even at 60 some years old, gets two or three screen screen time uh, from Jim Nance or Vern Lundquist, uh, always at the back nine. There he is, Fred Couples hitting a nice par 
uh, on 15. You, you always get that every Masters. So it's going to be an interesting one. I do think, and I can't, I'm pushing myself towards it, but I also know that it's probably not going to happen. I wish Ricky Fowler would win. I wish Ricky Fowler would win because that's a guy that I really root for. Um, it's just, it's one of those tough things because the green was so soft last time they played in the fall because it was so unusual. And now you're going back to where the greens are really hard in the spring. And what kind of progress over four months, because you have a year off in the masters every year, but you have four months from when you just played this tournament and in the four months, you can do super quick adjustments to remember how you play that course anyway. But I feel like it's going to be one of the more interesting masters. And of course, they're going to talk about Tiger. You know, they're going to talk about Tiger and, and everything. But, uh, you know, another guy, Justin Rose. I really like Justin Rose this week. So the, the first name that comes that came to my mind as well, and, and you mentioned it was Ricky Fowler, because I feel like Ricky Fowler has had the ultimate hype behind him to to win, and we've just not seen it yet. He is he's kind of the he's kind of the guy that has has been there, has been in contention, but has just never gotten over that last hump to finally get there. But I also think the Masters is as much as it was dominated by you know Tiger back in the the 2000s, Phil Mickelson in the 2000s. I also feel like the Masters is a place where you can, not, maybe not predict an upset, but you can expect that it will happen occasionally. You know, just looking back at some of the past Masters winners, um, you know, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, you know, great golfer. No one is, no one's saying opposite of that. But, you know, I don't know if anybody would have put him as the favorite to win the 2017 Masters. Uh, Danny Willett before that. So there is the potential that we see somebody kind of in that, uh, just looking at the odds here in that, you know, one to 35, one to 40 range, potentially win this thing because you never know what could happen here. Balls move the wrong way. Your, your cuts are different. I think it's interesting because like you mentioned, a lot of these guys are just coming off playing it a few months ago and it's, it's kind of a completely different course now. It's completely different. Now, you you would expect that the people that have experience here and, and are used to playing it um, in in April when it's supposed to be played have that knowledge and, and will be able to adapt to it a little bit better. But, you know, that first round could be frustrating for a lot of these people because at the same time, like we just mentioned, as you're coming off what was just four months ago, you're going to remember a little bit of that, but you have to have short memory because it's going to be completely different in April as it is opposed to November. But again, I think we could see some bad first rounds from some of the favorites and, and to no fault of their own. I think they're just going to be playing the course more than anything. Another guy that I love um, this week is Justin Thomas at a victory um, at TPC Sawgrass um, at the players, which is, it should be a, a major, but it's not. And then uh, I think this guy might have a good week. I don't know. We'll see. But I also love the way he also gets his name dropped uh, every tournament uh, by Vern or uh, Jim Nance. And it's uh, John Rahm on uh, 16 hitting uh, on the back nine. 
and he, it's always like spoken very softly. It's never like John Rom. It's John Rom on the back nine. So I like out a little bit. What's that? You gotta draw it out a little bit. Yes, you always got it. John Rom. Um, so uh, I do like John Rom. Um, but no, I mean it's 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 a very interesting tournament, um, especially with everything going on. With, I mean, I I would put the over under. I'd put the over under at four for then the amount of times they mentioned Tiger this weekend because it, it's going to come up. Um, but then, I mean, you got guys who used to be number ones that are going to play this weekend too. Phil, Jason Day, um, you know, Adam Scott, a name that I've already mentioned. He, he was a former number one. So you, you'll have guys and it's, it's, um, it's tough. It is the toughest course. And there's a reason that they don't hand out green jackets to anyone um, I am interested. I don't think we're going to get that information, but I am interested to see how they will do the champions dinner. Um, I don't think we're going to get that information because obviously with everything going on, I, I doubt they want to do that, but um, no, uh, I, I don't even know if they'll do the, the par three contest that they do on Wednesday traditionally. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a great week though. And, and nothing better, I think than a Masters Sunday coming off March madness. This is Jim Nance month. People forget. We didn't have Jim Nance months last year. This is Jim Nance month. Yeah, we really have to pick it up in April of this year because we missed it so much last year. Um, so just just so you know, I'm looking at the odds here for everybody in the Masters. I, I pulled it all up. Um, Fred Couples, the 1992 champion, is a 751 to 1 um, odds to win the Masters. So if you're a betting person, you could stand to make a lot of money if Fred Couples has the weekend of his life. That would be um, that if would be a fun Fred bet. Couples wins the Masters. That'll be the biggest golf story that's maybe ever been seen. I and I'm going to be honest. I, again, I'm, I'm I'm still looking at the odds here. I did not realize. Now, some of this is probably my ignorance of not watching golf and just not knowing. Was anyone going to tell me that VJ Singh was still golfing? Oh, dude, you, you you're you're not telling me anything that I haven't already heard because he popped up a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Huh, that was interesting." I, I mean, I, I didn't think anything happened to him. I thought. I thought at some point, you know, in like 2000, I don't know, 11, he just kind of like got away from the tour and just went to live a normal, a normal life. Like, you know, he made his money, but I'm looking at it. It's like, it's a thousand to one odds to win the match. I was like, I did, I did not realize VJ Singh was still doing this professionally. What's Tommy Fleetwood? Because I really like him to have a decent week, maybe not win the thing, but I, I feel like he could finish in the top 10 this week. It's a great player on the European tour, plays really good in PGA events. He is 45 to one. Yeah, doesn't shop. Jason Day and Sergio Garcia and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Hmm. So a couple other names that you've mentioned in there. Uh, the favorite to win it, though, is D Dustin Johnson, which I, I don't necessarily think shocks anybody at this point. I, I honestly am not – I'm kind of with you. I'm not necessarily buying the Jordan Spieth hype either. I realize he just won a tournament, what was it, last week or the week before. But I, I just don't think it's going to happen. In fact, when it comes to the Masters, it's not that I want to see people fail. 
I just, I have continually said on this show, I like the underdog story. I like whenever we get to, you know, we get to 18 on Sunday and, and somebody's like, oh yeah, Trevor Rimmelman won the Masters. And everyone goes, I don't know who that is. I love that. That's, that's, the, that's the part of that to me. Now, I think golf is, is great because it has the superstars, like we said, with, with Tiger and Phil dominating, of course, Bubba Watson and, and Jordan Spieth and other names of that caliber. But, you know, sometimes it's fun to see one of those, one of those underdogs win. Um, but, you know, if you really want to go with an underdog, again, I'm, I'm sticking with Fred Couples as your underdog at 750 to one. I think that's a, certainly not a great bet, but you at least know that you'll get a, a couple mentions. Like, like you said, I, I know even from the little bit that I watch, I always feel like I see Fred Couples and I'm like, similarly, I'm like, I didn't realize that he was still golfing. Fred Couples gets as many mentions in the Masters as guys like John Rock. Like Fred Couples plays on the senior tour. I don't know. I mean, but I get it's just one of the perks of one of the Masters. So it's uh, it's turning out to be a, a good week. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to transport myself to Augusta. I'm going to have a pimento cheese sandwich. You always know, mm. talk about these uh, pimento cheese sandwiches, like grilled cheese uh, that they have at the Masters. And apparently they're world famous. So I'm going to make myself a, a pimento cheese this weekend during Masters weekend. I'll, I'll tell you, so one, one last thing with the betting odds here. Um, I'll, I'll look into the pimento cheese and have myself a weekend. One other thing here with the betting odds as it comes to this tournament that I, I think is interesting. And, you know, we're, we're certainly not a betting show where, you know, we're not giving you betting advice. You know, if you have a problem, please call the hotline. But just looking at the odds here, a couple of winners have pretty not low – but you could stand to make some money on these odds. Bubba Watson is 50 to one. He's won this. That, that seems high as well as Adam Scott is a 66 to one favorite to win, uh, you know, which is not halfway down, but I mean, there's certainly a lot of people with better odds. I'm not telling you to bet them because again, this is not a betting show. I, you know, I don't bet myself, but I just think that those are high odds for people who have won and have proved themselves at Augusta in the past. Yeah, that feels that feels uh, very high for Bubba. It's been a long time since he's had that famous uh, shot uh, where it curved the tree in a sudden death um, overtime back in 2013. So, hmm. hey, he's won it twice. That's that's uh, again. I I don't know a ton about golf, but I feel like betting against somebody at least that high that's won this course twice. I feel like that could be a mistake. Who knows? We'll we'll see how the weekend plays out and how everyone plays the course, but little um definitely interesting. So Ryan, our next show coming out on Friday, and we'll be in the thick of uh, WrestleMania Masters week. Hockey, baseball, NBA. Are they going to stay up to date on all this? Well, number one, if you can stay up to date on all of it, more power to you. But we're going to cover it all here on this show, too. So if you want to keep up with all of the latest, stay in touch with us. Stay on the shows. Listen to us on Apple and Spotify. That's where you're going to get the episodes. That is Two Ryan Sports Show on Apple or Spotify. Pick your platform, whatever is your favorite operating device. 
But if you're keeping up with all the social media, uh, like you said, we have so much this week and who knows what else could happen. We only know what's scheduled. Everything else that is breaking news and, and such, we could have so many more stories this week come out. And we have our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Make sure you're following us to Ryan Sports Show on all of those platforms as well. Like Ryan said last week and coming into this week too, this is one of the biggest weeks that we've had in sports since we've started this show. Uh, of course, we love the Super Bowl. Of course, we love March Madness. But this is this is a week to behold whenever it comes to the sports world. And like we said, who knows what else comes. So find us, find the show, Apple, Spotify, find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, to Ryan Sports Show across all platforms. And we will see everyone Friday. Have a great week and get ready for a great weekend in sports.